Welcome to FRT. I'm Natalia Bailey from the IIF, and I'm joining from my home in Arlington, Virginia. It's been over a year since many countries went into lockdown due to COVID-19, and although we have seen some progress with vaccines distributions and certain countries and types of businesses opening up, like the pubs in London, for instance, we are still living in a COVID world. One aspect that was highlighted by many firms and by some of our previous FRT guests was the acceleration of digitalization and the increased use of new technologies during the COVID-19 pandemic. In today's episode, we will discuss the impact of COVID-19 and the use of machine learning in banking. And more widely, we'll discuss some key challenges around the use of AI and machine learning in finance. I'm joined today by our guests, Oliver Thieu and Mohamed Garbawi, Senior Fintech Specialist at the Bank of England's Fintech Hub. Oliver and Mohamed were lead authors on that recent bank article on the impact of COVID-19 on the use of machine learning and data science in UK banking. Oli's and Mohamed's roles help the bank understand what fintech means for the stability of the UK financial system, the safety and soundness of financial firms, and the bank's ability to perform its operational and regulatory roles. They have been focusing on the use of AI and machine learning in financial services. Oli was also one of the lead authors of the 2019 Bank of England Financial Conduct Authority Survey and Report on Machine Learning. And he's also part of the team responsible for the AI Public-Private Forum, which they launched last October. Oli and Mohamed, thank you for joining us today and welcome to FRT. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Natalia. Yeah, thank you for joining us today. I've been wanting to have you on FRT since the article was published. So I'm really happy that we were able to make this work. So Mohamed, let's just start by you giving us an overview of what the Bank of England's FinTech Hub work is on AI and machine learning. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so uh, let me start sort of by saying that uh, we sort of in the bank, we believe sort of the innovation in general uh, and AI in particular could have many uh, benefits for households, for businesses and the economy as a whole. So our objective uh, at the bank is uh, and remains to promote the safe adoption of AI in machine in financial services. And so while, while AI has clear benefits, uh, it does, of course, present risks and challenges. And this is part of the work that we're doing is to kind of try to identify those, to think around them and so on. In terms of so specifically what we're doing, the cornerstone of our work is, as you mentioned, the AI Public-Private Forum. Uh, and I'm sure we'll speak about this uh, a little bit more in, in more detail later, but it's, it's basically a one-year project. We've got uh, 21 members, 21 experts, from across uh, the financial industry, as well as uh, participants from technology firms to think through and, and, and discuss topics around uh, machine learning, how it can be used, uh, what the risks are and so on. And, and this is structured around three key areas, sort of data, model risk management and governance. Uh, the second uh, piece of work that, that we continue to do is what we're sort of discussing here today and what you alluded to, which is, um, uh, continuing to monitor and look at the impact of the crisis uh, on firm adoption, use of AI and machine learning, and, and we'll dig into that sort of a little bit later. Uh, thirdly, we're doing a lot of work, as you'd expect, in sort of the regulatory space and policy, and, and essentially is trying to understand how, what the regulatory landscape looks like, both domestically, internationally. There's quite, quite a lot of sort of white papers out there, quite a lot of work being done in this space. And, and we, we'd like to understand sort of how that applies to 
existing, how, how existing regulation applies to AI or could apply to AI, where there may be gaps uh, and, and sort of potential for policy initiatives, if there are any. Then uh, again, as you'd expect, we do a lot of uh, horizon scanning, a lot of research in, in this area to sort of see what emerging risks there are. And finally, sort of we do quite a bit of um, external and public engagement, uh, such as this one and, and engagement with our sort of counterparts, again, domestically and internationally, to sort of have a coordinated approach, I guess. I mean, this is one of the things we hear from the IPPF that, that that it's a very complex topic. AI sort of spans a lot of areas and, and kind of calls for a more harmonized, a more uh, collaborative approach. So that's sort of very broadly um, what we're doing uh, in this space and within the FinTech Hub. Thanks, Mohammed. I think the work that you've been doing, that, that public-private aspect of the partnership, I think is very important. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing the results, but also I've been reading the minutes as they come up. And I think we'll touch on that a little bit later on. So Oli, part of that, what we wanted to talk today about was that Bang's article that was published. And in that article, you talked a bit about the recent trends that you were seeing in machine learning um, and data science in UK banking that were pre-COVID. And you also talk about some of the risks and challenges that existed before COVID. Can you talk a bit about those challenges that you were seeing and the trends that were present before? Certainly. As you mentioned in your introduction, uh, we carried out a piece of research back in 2019 with uh, the other UK financial services regulator, the Financial Conduct Authority or FCA. And that piece of quite granular detailed research uh, was very helpful because it gave us a snapshot into how machine learning was being used in UK financial services sector. Uh, and this was obviously just before the crisis. So we published the findings of that work in October uh, 2019. A couple of things that struck us about that was that machine learning was actually quite widespread in UK financial service sector um, and was used across banking, insurance, investment management and other sectors. Within banking, um, a lot of the use cases uh, fell into different areas, but you could see how it was being applied to things like anti-money laundering and fraud detection. There was obviously customer engagement, so the likes of chatbots. But equally, there were some interesting applications in sort of more crucial business areas, and particularly in sort of credit. So that trend of the use cases and, and where it was being applied, I think we've only seen a continuation of that um, throughout the crisis. To your more specific point about the kind of challenges or the risks that we saw pre-COVID, I'll tackle the first, which is the challenges. And it's unsurprising that the main issue firms mentioned was legacy systems. Uh, this will not be a surprise to your listeners across industry that this is a huge challenge, not just for the use of artificial intelligence, machine learning, but more generally, if you're talking about the digitalization of banking services, looking at that underlying IT architecture and technology stack. So that was a main challenge for firms, and I don't think that has necessarily changed, although adoption of cloud computing is, is clearly uh, an important area in relation to the use of AI and machine learning. One of the other challenges that we saw was around the data aspects. And again, that is something that hasn't really gone away or changed, but some of the key challenges firms face was around kind of quality of data they had internally. Um, the amount of data sometimes, because to run machine learning models, you tend to need more data than you would for, say, other uh, non-machine learning models and algorithms. And there were also a couple of challenges around 
integrating machine learning into existing business processes or business lines. So those challenges were there pre-crisis and pandemic. Uh, I think we've seen, you know, that, that a lot of them will be kind of long-standing ones, especially around the issue of things like data quality and legacy systems. In terms of the latter part, the risks, what we found from the work that we did in the research is that AI machine learning can potentially amplify existing risks, or you could see some sort of newer, more novel risks arise, and something what you call maybe a non-financial risk, uh, like the issue of, sort of bias within within the data or, or coming out through the model. In terms of the main risks that firms saw, I mean, this was really about the idea that machine learning models may be more complex, slightly harder to understand, so this kind of black box question. Our role, as Mohammed said at the Bank of England's FinTech Hub, is trying to understand what those risks mean in relation to our objective, right? So, for example, could sort of bias in an underlying data lead to poor credit decisions? Could that actually turn out to have a kind of prudential implication or risk, right? If it's a kind of a poor credit decisioning and turns into a credit risk. And so a lot of our work is to try and understand those issues. Those risks that were there, again, I don't think have disappeared. Um, but some sort of more novel things that the, were mentioned pre-crisis, where they said things like model drift could be a potential risk. We've actually seen those amplified by the crisis, or at least the challenge of dealing with model risk. You know, when you mentioned data quality validation as one of the things that you saw on your 2019 report, um, that was something that we also saw in ours. Um, that was listed as one of the key challenges in our previous survey. And actually, from 2018 to 2019, we saw... I think it was 178 or 179% increase in the number of firms that mentioned um, the single DAO silo data as hindering their ability to leverage machine learning um, more fully. And we also heard, so I'm actually fully agreeing with you, that it was particularly challenging for multinational financial institutions with the legacy IT systems because the legacy IT systems presented a real challenge on leveraging the data and building analytics on top of, of that data. So fully agree with, with what you had on your results. The other thing that I, I guess it kind of stuck to me when I read your findings was that, and I'm going to quote it, it says, COVID has arguably accelerated demand for data and technical innovation. And I think you had a stat there of how you were expecting the number of machine learning applications to, to triple by 2021. When I saw it, I thought, well, this is not really surprising. Like between our 2018 and 2019, we saw it almost doubling. I think it was 49% how firms were, were using machine learning. And it was a specific to machine learning in credit risks. But still, I think that, that it shows that trend was already there. But I, I do think that that trend has accelerated. It has made a leap with, with COVID. So Mohammed. Maybe we can go a little bit onto, onto the paper and talk about the main impacts of COVID in machine learning, in UK banking. And you mentioned, I think the, the paper highlighted two main, main impacts. So the positive impact of machine learning in UK banking during COVID, and also that risk of amplifying certain risks associated to machine learning. Can you explain a bit more those findings? Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it's... Um... I mean, the first thing to say is actually when we sort of started out on this project, it wasn't entirely clear that that COVID would accelerate those trends. I mean, th there's one side of the argument which says, yes, you know, you know, the, 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 and I'll get to that uh, sort of what has actually transpired. But there could be an argument to say, well, well, you know, firms are under a lot of pressure. 
and AI and machine learning does not necessarily sort of present itself as the main area of focus when they're reprioritizing. But to the survey sort of itself, uh, so we sort of, con- it was a voluntary survey um, of, of the banks that we regulate, and we got uh, quite a decent sort of uh, response from them. Uh, the firms that did respond covered around 90% of sort of UK uh, bank assets. So, so it's a good representative sample. And the main headline there was, uh, as you said, so the, the, the half of the firms that, that responded said that the importance of machine learning for future operations has increased as a result uh, of COVID. Also, the number of planned applications, number of ongoing applications, um, that the COVID has positively impacted that. There's an increase in that. However, on the other side, it, this was not matched by sort of the funding side of things. Um, again, I mean, this is not entirely surprising. There's a lot of pressure on funding. So there's a lot of interest in, in, in getting some of, some of these technologies, but maybe you know, it takes time to, to get the funding in place and the resourcing in place for that. In terms of sort of we surveyed sort of a number of banks sort of from the larger ones to smaller ones and so on international banks and there wasn't that much sort of variability between banks all of them pretty much had very similar profiles in in terms of the importance of that in terms of the areas where they highlighted again i I'd, I'd say it's sort of the ones really that were accelerated are the ones that Ollie kind of touched upon so the number one response that came out was that in terms of investment anyway, was on customer engagement, improving digital channels. That, that was followed by AML and fraud detection, and, and then credit and sort of strategy operation areas um, that, that firms were looking at. Where they highlighted a positive impact on existing sort of machine learning was in terms of risk appetite for projects. This was a sort of 35% of firms basically said there was a positive impact there. As well as, again, I mean, not surprisingly, that there's a, a positive impact on virtual working, uh, working patterns and, and so on are, are being sort of the highlight in that area. On the negative side, a lot of firms reported um, model performance being uh, negatively impacted. Uh, and this goes again to Ollie's point on, on um, model drift uh, and, and some of the more, I guess, the, the models that rely more on behavioral data. This, this is where at least um, anecdotally or from what we're hearing in the markets, this is where the initial impact was because customer behavior basically changed pretty much overnight where, where you had sort of all transactions became card not present type transactions, that sort of thing. Um, business volumes was another area highlighted, which was negatively impact and uh, the sort of the, on the hiring and the retention of uh, skilled staff. And, and this is an area that has sort of come up actually through on the data science side uh, as much as it did on machine learning, that you know, in order to have these machine learning systems in place, you do obviously need uh, the skilled staff there to oversee them, the governance around that, and so on. The last area to highlight is sort of how many firms are reporting a positive impact in terms of the use of third-party vendors. There's also sort of an increased use of third-party data, alternative data, and so on. Um, this is seen as supplementing perhaps credit. But in terms of sort of uh, the use of third-party vendors, our infrastructure, platform, and data collection side was sort of across the board. These were the top three categories and included the larger firms as well as smaller firms. But in other categories, it was actually the smaller banks that were sort of leading the way in terms of sort of uh, outsourcing essentially models, model deployment, uh, use of of third-party data, use of financial data, and, and, and so on. 
So on the positive uses of of, um, of machine learning, um, we had a recent episode that we had Piers Heaven from the EVA that joined, and he also talked a little bit about the same thing, um, the use of, of technology in, in affecting the processing power. And he mentioned cloud within that quite a, a bit. Um, but he also mentioned the use of, of big data analytics, machine learning, um, to help with the processing of loan moratoria. And I think that's been the case in a lot of countries. Like I, that was also here in the US where they did with a lot of student loans or mortgages where they were delayed. And so I think that had created a situation in when banks, they had to extend that more quickly. Um, and the use of machine learning in that space, I think has increased. I'm talking all about this anecdotally. We haven't surveyed our membership on it. And that's one of the things we'll do later this year. But I think your article came at the right time. And then you mentioned some of the negative impacts. And we'll talk a little bit more in a bit about the decrease in, in the sudden decrease in model performance for machine learning models. But I kind of want to talk a little bit more about what you saw with resourcing and hiring retention of skilled staff as, as a negative, because that came through in your survey. But I don't think that was... I mean, it, I, I, let's call it a trend. I think that was already present like in our surveys in the past. We've seen that has been an issue for the financial industry already, retention of staff. But perhaps what has happened is that with COVID, that has been also accelerated in a way. I don't know if you have any more comments on that aspect. I think you're right. It, it was a pre-existing um, trend. Um, and... It's, I guess, what if you have on the one hand sort of what COVID accelerating sort of demand for these systems and third party systems and so on being put in place, then the banks would need to get to have more staff. But I mean, one, one other sort of area we kind of looked at is advertising out there for jobs. And that's in terms of how many jobs are available for uh, machine learning and AI and data science staff seems to be trending downwards. Um, I'm not really sure why that would be the case. Uh, it, it may be that, that these positions have already been filled, that, that people ha don't have uh, more need for them. Or on the other hand, it could be a sort of related to the funding and, and resourcing point, that, that while there's an appetite for a lot of these systems, that they're not actually going out and actively sort of putting them in place. So... So there's not, not really, the, the need hasn't arisen yet for hiring people, um, but it's unclear yet to me anyway, um, which of those plays out more, more clearly. Yeah, I, I think as, as you've both touched on is this is a pre-existing trend. I think an interesting distinction to make is uh, there's an issue around hiring staff in the first place and then retaining them. And I think a lot of the IIF work has shown that Although financial service firms are very good at hiring in staff, it's the retention of that staff, which can be a challenge. And I just wonder if that's something that is more of an issue. And we didn't necessarily delve into it in our own survey in terms of that distinction between the two. But if you are to do further work, it'd be very fascinating to know within that dichotomy where the issue is. And the other, just the other thing to note as well is, um, you know, that we found this back in our previous survey in 2019 and, and the conversations we had with firms, which is when we say relevant skill sets. I mean, we're talking about actually quite a specific skill set sometimes, which is not only sort of data science skills and machine learning engineering skills, but also then a knowledge of the kind of financial services business area. And that mix, that combination is actually quite rare, um, you know, and that's very sought after. So 
it's one thing to have a data scientist. It's another thing to have a data scientist who understands credit applications, credit risk modeling, you know, that whole side of the business. Um, I think Mohammed might have some further comments on that as well. Yeah, no, that's an excellent point. Thank you, Oli. I mean, I just just building up on that, like on the other side uh, of it, when you're looking at the senior management within firms as well. So the data scientists need financial knowledge, but the senior managers who are sort of commissioning these AI systems need to understand what's going on. And there is, I think, a bit of a gap there because it, it's sort of, it's a very complex area. And, and there's some work needs to be done on bridging that gap between the data science level and, and the senior level. Yeah, and, and that that is actually something that we've discussed various times at the IF and within the service that we've done. And you're absolutely right. Retention is the issue. Like, I think when we were serving firms back in 2017, hiring was the main issue. Now it's retention. And yes, you're right again. I like using these, um, I think it was an, a US executive that used it, but it's like finding a unicorn because it's really difficult to find a data scientist understands machine learning, but also understands those processes that the bank needs to, the, the actual task that is at hand and the underlying regulatory aspects as well. So it's, it's a very difficult situation for, for firms. But then when we actually talk to the public sector, I think it was in, in one of the meetings that maybe we had with one of the US regulators, uh, what they said is, well, it's hard for financial institutions, just imagine how hard it is for us to also try to get that talent in. So I think the competition for talent is going to stay. It's interesting, some of the points that Mohammed brought up um, just now, and we'll probably be looking at those this year when we redo one of our surveys, but that impact of COVID in retention of staff would be interesting to look at for sure. Something else that, that you mentioned, Mohammed, was the current uh, COVID-19 pandemic initially causing a sudden decrease in, in the model performance of machine learning models. Um, and we have heard that from some of our members in the last year, just that the pandemic created a situation where you cannot forecast based on historical data. I, mean, I don't think anybody expected COVID to happen as it did. But only in the findings, where were the lessons learned that, that came up from those survey participants in mitigating that initial effect? Yeah, it's a really good question. So one of the key findings was that... Um... Over a third of the banks that we surveyed said that they'd had a negative impact of COVID on their model performance. Now, I think an important thing to say here is that impact will be across probably all types of models. So not just machine learning, but also non-machine learning models as well. If we take machine learning models, though, specifically, you've already alluded to, and Mohammed's already explained why there could be challenges, right, which is this type of event and the subsequent behavioral changes were not in the training data. Um, and so you could see how there could be a rapid uh, negative impact when, as Mohammed said, take uh, fraud detection models and anti-money laundering ones, where suddenly all card payments went to card not present, um, or where people stopped kind of air travel and all types of changes. You also mentioned the issue of mortgage payment holidays and other types of payment holidays, which can then have an impact potentially on kind of uh, credit rating models. I think... What we've been clear in trying to understand is, as you say, how are firms approaching this? It didn't come through necessarily in the survey, but through some of our previous work and through kind of conversations we've had and anecdotal information, which is this idea of continuous monitoring of machine learning models for drift. That could be data drift, concept drift, put it all under the umbrella of model drift. And so this is something that Mohammed mentioned earlier and think about 
you know, model risk management frameworks, right, are, are existing, they're out there. But maybe one of the little step changes with machine learning is this idea of you can either have continuous learning models or the fact that they are recalibrated on a you know, more frequent basis is being able to monitor those on a frequent basis for drift, identifying, detecting that drift, and then having the recourse to go back to a previous version of the data, a previous version of the model, um, and use that whilst you address the current issue. And I think it also brings up this interesting uh, challenge with machine learning and firms, which is the intersection of data management and model risk management. You know, where do you draw the line? How do you deal with the overlap? Um, and that's from a first line function to a second line, all the way, as Mohammed said as well, to senior managers and getting them to think about data quality and data drift as an issue. As I said, in terms of the way that firms have mitigated it, they said that you know continuous monitoring was one way they were able to identify drift quite quickly. The recourse is a little bit harder, I think, in some respect, which is, you know, you, you can't then go and kind of train your model on a, a load of black swan events. But there is a question here about how much adversarial testing should be done for these types of scenarios. And there's interesting questions, I think, around can you use more novel techniques like synthetic data to create these type of events, right, and use it if you're going forward for kind of adversarial testing. But it was certainly an area where you could see a big impact on the on the performance of these models. And I also think that one of the other interesting things this throws up is the question of what data you do need. Um, because if your traditional financial indicators are not keeping pace with the kind of impact of what's happening in society, that's where you could see firms looking to use alternative data sources, right? So non-proprietary data, kind of fast indicators, things that they can use that may be able to give them better predictive power uh, beyond the data that they have inside of the firm. Now, we already saw a trend pre-COVID of using third-party data and unstructured alternative data sources. I think that may have been accelerated by COVID. Mohamed, I know you, you may have something to add. Yeah, just, just uh, to add on that, one, one thing which we didn't actually ask during the survey, and, and I think um, we should bear in mind and, and maybe something to look at in the future, is that some of these models, well, all, all these models actually vary quite a lot in terms of what it is that they're doing. Uh, so I, I think we need to bear that in mind that on the one hand, you might have a chatbot, which is sort of, I don't know, talking rubbish, which is fine. You know, <laughs> it's, it's not as, as important or material as a credit uh, decisioning model that is making wild choices. So the so model performance, it is a very, very important topic for us. And, and we need to align it, I guess, to, to what the businesses are using them for and, and yeah, what, what, the, what the use cases are. Yeah, I mean, I think just in, in conversations that we had with members, um, several of them mentioned the importance of model validation, model testing and model monitoring. And that decrease in, in model performance by some of the firms that we've talked to mentioned that was minimized um, by focusing on, on model performance monitoring, um, which goes back what Oli and you, Mohammed, were saying about ensuring that there isn't any model performance drift. Something else that I think is important is machine learning governance, because what we saw in the 2020 uh, results of our machine learning governance survey, we had 36% of, of firms that were using their existing model risk management framework. But we also were seeing a number of firms that were moving to having an enhancement on of that framework. I think it was maybe 15% that already had developed an enhancement, maybe in 29 or 30% that were working on developing an enhancement when we surveyed them. 
But the point, the reason I'm bringing it up is because those that were developing an enhancement, what they were doing was looking at model validation. And they were looking at how can they ensure that they have the right skill sets and capabilities to capture machine learning applications within that. And those that had enhanced that, in addition to adding some principles on data use, they also were were looking at the model validation methods that they had um, in place. So I think, in my opinion, it really goes back to looking at machine learning models within a framework of model governance. Um, Because I think without it, even if the applications are minimal, it just sort of becomes like a standalone use versus it actually being used within a framework that is ensuring that there is model monitoring, that they're looking at performance, that they are looking at, they're monitoring the performance of, of the machine learning models. And I'm guessing that with the pandemic, that importance has even been highlighted more. Again, it's anecdotally just bringing some of the conversations about the strong focus on ongoing model performance monitoring by some of our firms. And that's something that we'll be looking at later this year and and serving our firms. Mohamed, maybe we can take a step back and also talk about how has COVID impacted the Bank of England's own approach to machine learning? Yes, sure. Um, So... I mean, I mean, just to say, as before, that that we already, as I mentioned, recognize the importance of AI. So, so in a sense, this is again like accelerating some of the things that we're doing, rather than than putting a lot of new things in place. Um, I mean, one of the areas I think we were talking about skills before, and so on, and I think we have been thinking about and recognizing that we also need to maintain the know-how internally that we have, the expertise that we have. It's a very fast-moving subject, and and it's sort of sometimes difficult to keep pace with that. Although I think we're doing okay for the time being. And I guess one more thing, one more area we we're looking at is that we do have a lot of data. We have a large amount of data internally, and and AI and machine learning uh, models are actually very useful in in bringing all that together, all the different formats from different parts of the organization. So it helps us sort of put it all together and send it and query it uh, more effectively um, within the bank. So I think that, I mean, the, you just mentioned data quality in alternative data in a way. Um, and you mentioned before, we were talking before when we talk about the pre-COVID things, data quality was already an issue, but in legacy IT systems and whatnot. So it seems like data quality con- will continue to be an issue. It's just morphing. But I think, and maybe this is something that it's similar for for you and and the Bank of England um, and the FinTech Hub, is that it seems like we have been touching on the right things because we're continuing the work that we had sort of laid out before COVID. It just feels that it was pushed a little bit, um, accelerated, like we were talking about. Oli, you've been part of the AI public-private forum. Can you talk about what are the... The main challenges you're you're looking there, and what are the main goals of the forum? I mean, I know it's a one-year project. Uh, what is what is it that you're trying to accomplish at the end of that year? Certainly. So, as Mohammed said in the introduction, and I'd be remiss if I said he isn't part, a key part of this as well. Um, we launched this one-year project, which is co-chaired between the Bank of England and FCA. And the idea is that we've got 21 experts drawn from across financial services, technology providers, academia. And 
bringing together those experts who are there actually as individuals, so not on behalf of their firms, but as individual experts, to really understand, you know, what are the practical challenges when you're using machine learning and financial services? What are the key specific risks, right? And and to Mohammed's point, thinking about that in terms of the actual use case, where the model is applied, where you're getting the data from. So being a bit more granular. And then thinking around, okay, how do you try and address some of those? Right? Are there potential solutions out there? And that could be technical solutions to some of these challenges and risks. Could be within a firm, at a firm level. You've talked about governance uh, frameworks and whether you'd want to adapt your you know, model risk management framework internally. And those could also be market-wide. So there's been some challenge around, you know, whether standards are useful in areas, as you said, around something like data quality. And lastly, you know, thinking around the policy frameworks and the regulatory frameworks. So, you know, how does it fit? How does AI machine learning fit within the existing regulatory and policy landscape? Are there gaps? You know, where would you maybe potentially want to make tweaks? Um, so we launched the forum back in October. Um, and a lot of this information is publicly available on the Bank of England's website. But we had an initial meeting to basically air some of these key issues. And then, as Mohammed says, we've got three key topic areas. Now, there are lots of overlaps within these, but it just helps in a way of putting a framework around it to think about them. So the first is around data. And uh, we just finished the, the data meeting and data sessions. Uh, and the minutes of that are available on the website. And as you rightly point out, some of the key challenges are around data quality, increasing use of third-party data and what that means when firms are interacting with that. Also thinking around potential ethical implications, um, the issues of fairness and bias, which the uh, members are very keen to stress are actually separate things. You should think about them slightly differently. Um, and also wider challenges around you know, governance structures and things like, uh, you know, do senior managers truly understand the kind of issue of data quality? Um, is it seen right from the outset or is it more of a retrospective uh, view to it? So throughout this process, we're, we're really gathering views from these experts and, and exploring, you know, as we said, maybe potential ways to address challenges and views on the regulatory framework. Now, the AIPPF or the AI Public Private Forum is not a decision making body, um, but it's going to be a final publication in Q4 of this year where hopefully we'll put something back out to the market, to industry to interested individuals and others to share all the learnings from this process um, and even to other you know, regulators and colleagues uh, on that side. So yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a big project. There's lots to touch on, but I think what we found already are there are issues where AI machine learning it, it adds a few slight you know, more novel challenges. There are lots of existing ones and we've touched on things like legacy systems and siloing within organizations and that will never go, you know, that, that will always sort of persist in different areas, but there are some more novel challenges, and we're trying to, I guess, highlight those as well. But I'll see if, if Mohammed has more to add on that point. No, I'm mean, not really. Thank you, Ali. I mean, it's, it's just we are looking forward to the next one on model risk. And as you said, um, Natalia, that, that some of these issues seem to be sort of progressing uh, or accelerating existing issues. And I think one of the, the things that I'm keen to understand is um, whether, in fact, there are areas where, where there's a step change that it's not a gradual thing and, and that AI machine learning suddenly changes the game entirely. And there may be some of those. There are hints of that in terms of the type of models and in model risk management and so on. And then you go to the governance uh, issue that you were talking about of how do you then manage that? How do you deal with that internally? What's the decision making around that? So, so 
hopefully it'll be a very interesting discussion and, and we will keep you updated, of course. And I'm looking forward to seeing the, the notes as they come out. It has actually been, in a way, it's some of the issues that we have heard here. So it's really good to hear that public-private aspect of the partnership I really like. And I think it's, it's a really good space to, to have that conversation. Even if, as you're saying, you can't really mandate certain things. I'm looking forward to reading the, the report when it comes out in quarter four of this year. I may summarize some of the main points that you touched on today. I think I guess there are four main things that stuck to me. The first one is that the acceleration of the use of machine learning. It has been a trend that was there in the past. It's not new. I mean, we knew the firms were using machine learning and they were increasingly using it. But it seems that COVID has really accelerated that. It has made a leap, I think. The second thing was the importance of, of model validation, model testing, model performance monitoring. When we were talking about that decreasing model performance that some of the firms saw, well, probably not some, probably all of the firms saw um, at the beginning of the pandemic and how that was minimized by focusing on ongoing model performance monitoring. The third point was to me data quality and data quality and data quality and data quality existing as an issue before, continuing to exist with what we heard from many of our firms with the IT infrastructure and legacy IT systems to now data quality morphing into data quality and alternative data. And then the fourth one is the continued issue with retention of staff. I'm taking all of those points for when we redo our survey and adding questions on those, but really thank you for joining us. I think this was a really interesting conversation and you gave us a lot to, to think about. So thank you, Oli and Mohammed, for joining us today on FRT. Thank you for having us again. Thank you for having us. And looking ahead on FRT, a few upcoming episodes that I want to highlight. We'll talk trends and developments in machine learning in the machine learning landscape with Tuera Shami Kundu. He was a formerly chief data officer at Standard Chartered, and he's part of the AI public-private partnership that we were just discussing. Steve Suarez of HSBC will be here on the transformation agenda that he's implementing, and we'll have Ronit Goods of CD on digital money. So stay safe and join us again for those upcoming episodes. I'm Natalia Bailey, and thanks for joining us on FRT.